0: Rachel. (laughs) Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, sat here with a big cup of coffee. (laughs) So I'm actually not a coffee drinker.
1: I feel like we need to end this podcast right now. It's been really nice (laughs) knowing you. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. Because that means that if we ever hang out, you're not going to try and
0: steal my coffee. So I'm good with that. No. No, I would never steal your coffee, and then I also actually don't eat bacon, so we've probably just lost every listener ever on the face of of the world, but yeah. No, 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 it's
1: okay, because
0: I drink coffee and I eat bacon, so you you just got it back. Yeah, right, like, well, and the thing (laughs) is, is that, like, if, if I ever go to breakfast with people, I'm like, well, look, if I order bacon with my food, you get extra bacon.
1: How are you not the most popular woman in the world?
0: Um, because Willie tells people that I'm mean. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, this is a side of Willie that I haven't experienced, but yet you're the second person that I've heard say that about
0: him. Um, in the last week, I've had three people tell me that he's mean to them as well. So <laughs> I'm beginning to think that that's is just his MO. And if he didn't secretly adore every single one of us, he would not make fun of us.
1: That's true. That's but he doesn't make fun of me, so I guess that means that
0: I'm not a door. Damn it. Well I I can't I can't speak for him. I wouldn't I wouldn't know. But as Daryl says, Willie's the only one who can get away with all the shenanigans that he pulls.
1: (laughs) This is true. This is true. And time will tell.
0: Maybe he'll be mean to me one day. So Daryl said you're gonna be out for flying pig next year.
1: I am. I am. I'm gonna go I knew, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. I mean, I, I want to pretend I'm there for the race, but I'm more there for the people and the, uh, yeah, the coffee.
0: So so. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm most likely going to be running the half marathon.
1: Oh, geez. You're one of and those.
0: everyone is everyone. When I say everyone, I just mean Daryl and Willie are trying to convince me to run a full marathon. And I just keep telling them that I'm not that crazy. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I I do think that a full marathon takes a particular type of crazy, um, which is the, like, yeah, that's just grueling. So that's my
0: my I've done three half marathons. My fastest was like three hours and twenty one minutes. So even just doubling that, you know, is six hours and forty minutes. I don't have any desire to run for six hours. I just don't. <laughs>
1: Do you know I'd never thought of it that way, but that just makes me really, really worried for anyone that does have a desire <laughs> to run for six hours.
0: Yeah, I just uh, uh no way. <clears throat> so I wanted to have you share a little bit of your story. Um, I mean, I know some of it, obviously, because I've listened to like every podcast you've been on in the last like two months. But um <laughs> just for some of like my friends and family who listen to my podcast. Um, I wanted you just to give kind of abbreviated version and then we'll get into the the topic at hand. (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. So when, when you say my story, do you mean my, my fitness, my health story? Yes. Okay. Um, Okay. Uh, So I guess my, my fitness health weight loss journey started not quite four years ago. Um, when I weigh, I weighed in at about 520 pounds. So I, um, yeah, I just realized I was over half a ton.
0: Um, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And so, uh, I had lost weight off and on over the years. I'd always lose it. I'd always gain more back though. And, um, and I sort of explored a lot of natural avenues and I'd had a lot of doctors throw the idea of bariatric surgery at me. And, um, and I, I just was so absolute that I was never going to do it. Um, and then I just sort of got to a point where I, you know, I was 520 pounds and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And I wanted to have children and I wanted to live. And, um, and I found a surgeon that was willing to do the surgery, which was really difficult because a lot of them didn't want to touch me. I was, a uh, risk to their statistics because my starting weight was so high and
0: I think you said on on Willie's podcast that they wanted you to lose like 100 pounds first
1: yeah yeah so um, I'd contacted four different surgeons and three of them told me to come back when I'd lost 100 pounds and I just remember thinking if I could do that I wouldn't be paying all this money to have surgery exactly Um, and then um, with the surgeon that I went with, he, he actually uh, not long ago in Australia made the news because he, he operated on the heaviest man in Australia. Oh, wow. and, and what his big thing is, is that he looks at all of your factors and health wise, he couldn't believe how physically healthy everything in my body was. In terms um, of your blood work
0: and blood pressure and things of that nature.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he, he said, even even when he did the surgery, he said, uh, you know, by looking at, look, looking at my internal organs, this is a really great conversation. Um, looking at my internal organs, he said, you, you wouldn't have been able to tell the level of obesity that I had, that my, my organs were actually healthier than average for my age. Um, and so he, he, yeah, he he basically thought I was a bit of a miracle because I'd somehow lived to have a have a vessel that was still reasonably healthy. I'm never going to say that I was healthy because I wasn't healthy. It was 520 pounds, but yeah. you know, was, was was healthy given the amount of weight that I was carrying. So um, yeah, and and so then that that was over three years ago now, um, I, I dropped 265, no
0: 275, but I did regain about 25 of that. so Yeah. My, my starting <laughs> weight, my, my heaviest recorded weight. Um, cause after a while, you know, I stopped getting on scales. I stopped going to doctors. I didn't want to know but my starting weight was 285 pounds. So you, you lost a me at my heaviest.
1: Oh my God. Yeah, I did.
0: I did. That is insane. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know that I know that medical insurance in Australia is a lot different than the U S now, did you have to pay out of pocket for your surgery? Did you have like an annual deductible to meet? Like how did, how did the financial side of that work for you?
1: Okay, so so uh, financials for surgery in Australia work one of two ways. So, so what we have in Australia is we do have universal healthcare, but that's for ev- that's for all your essentials. So, you know, if you go to emergency, it's free. If you're sick and you need to stay in hospital, it's free. If you need to have an emergency surgery, anything that's not classified as elective surgery is free. Because I'm Baribas- in Australia. Goodness gracious! Right, um, uh, but given that bariatric surgery is elective surgery, it was not free. So there are um, two different ways that you can go about it. One is that if you're a member of a private health fund or what you guys would call insurance, uh,
0: Mm -hmm. then
1: you end up you end up being out of pocket probably about five thousand dollars. I wasn't a member of a private health fund, um, and But because of my starting weight, I qualified for a special government subsidised program. Mm -hmm. So instead of paying $20,000 for my surgery, I paid nine. And what they let you do here, I think you guys have like some version. We we call it superannuation, which is basically part of your salary that gets put aside by your employer every year. Mm -hmm. And then when you retire, that's what you're expected to live off I guess that'd be like social security for us in the US. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So over here, if you've not worked or if you've not accumulated enough, you would go on like a a, like social security or an age pension. Um, this this is actually part of your salary that the government just automatically puts aside for you. Um and so (laughs) right. Um, and so you can access that for certain things and one of those things is that you can actually access it for a life-threatening medical condition and obesity is classified as a life-threatening medical condition so I I paid for my surgery by accessing that money okay um, yeah which, okay yeah so it was nine thousand dollars I I'm tech. I was technically out of pocket for it but not really like you know when I'm 65 I will be that nine thousand dollars out of pocket
0: yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, at least you had like the finances available. So it, it's funny that you say, you know, your body was healthy, your vessel was healthy, but you were just overweight. Mm. And that's how I was as well. Yeah. Um, even at 285, I had perfect blood pressure. My heart rate was perfect. Um, I do have asthma. So I have, lim- you know, I have like scarring on my lungs, limited lung capacity, but um, I was never, I, ne- I didn't have diabetes. I was pre-diabetic and I'm still borderline diabetic, even 70 pounds lighter. Mm. Um, yeah, my, all my blood work was coming back, you know, somewhat in everything's in the normal range, cholesterol, all that stuff. I literally was just overweight. And so weight loss surgery was suggested to me by multiple doctors, but at that point, I'm like, I don't have any children. And I know that they say that pregnancy is much harder after weight loss surgery. I was, what was I? 20. Well, I can't math this early in the morning it's (laughs) it's only 7 30 um I was in my early 20s and I was at 285 but I was I was just overweight so I felt like you know I wouldn't qualify medically because in the United States it's harder to qualify for weight loss surgery you kind of have to have those other risk factors
1: in order to get
0: your insurance to cover it yeah well and and I, I didn't have those. So I said, you know, okay, well I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. And I did, I, I lost, I, this is my, I don't know if you know much of my story, but this is my third go round with weight loss since 2011. Um, but this is the most consistent I've ever been with the downward trend of weight loss. Mm-hmm. So since I did a restart January 1st of 2017, so two and a half years ago, I've lost 57 pounds. Well done it's, and it's, it's hard to, you know, when that scale slows down or when, cause as you get smaller, it gets harder to lose, oh, yeah. you know, bigger numbers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then, but as, as our podcast pusher friend, Daryl says, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the weight will take care of itself. You just have to trust the process. Yeah. yeah. So that's that, I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. I still want to lose about another 30 to 35 pounds. Um, and then, you know, obviously work on just, you know, toning and being strong and, and dealing with maintenance mode. But I, I still have time for that. And I, I'm not trying to rush anything as much as I, you know, I'm at 214 right now, as much as I want to see my weight start with the one again. I, I know that, you know, I can't rush past that. Yeah. I have to just continue to put the work in every day. you You're dreaming of Wonderland, so, but you're willing to earn it. Yep. That's, yep. That's good. And I feel like these next these next you know 14 15 pounds are gonna take just <laughs> it's you know it, it, for me it was a really strange
1: concept the idea of getting on um the scales so so when I say my my highest weight was 520 that was my highest recorded weight um that's what I weighed uh the day at my at the week before I started my pre-op diet for my bariatric surgery So, um, I had four weeks of being on basically, um, a starvation diet, um, but I went nuts in that week before I went on the starvation diet. I'm, I'm not even going to lie. I just like, basically if it was edible, it was in my mouth. I was just like, I'm never going to be able to do this again. And I probably didn't stop to breathe for that week. And so when I say I was, when I say I was 520, I realistically, I was probably about 530. Um, but,
0: you know, what's 10 pounds between friends. So <laughs> now, look, I mean, looking, looking back now on photos of me from even 2017 or even my heaviest, heaviest weight in 2011, I never looking back now, I can see it. But back then I never felt like I was as big as I was. Did you ever feel that way? Um,
1: to, to a point yeah when I was at my biggest yeah there was no there, there there comes a point where you where your weight goes from being something that's not comfortable to being something that's um basically a barrier between you and the outside world and so you know I I remember being about 285 when I was probably 19 or 20 and I remember feeling heavier than most people but also being like, oh, okay, you know, I'm just a bit bigger. Um, yeah. When, when you get past – for me, I remember it really distinctly. It was, it was when I was about 450 that all of a sudden nothing was comfortable anymore. Getting in the car wasn't comfortable. Sleeping became really difficult because your body is actually really heavy when you sleep and and we don't think of that. and It becomes difficult to sleep in certain positions or your body wakes up really sore because you've literally put that much pressure on that part of your body for, for eight hours, um, mm. all those sorts of things. And so I became very aware. Once I was about 450 and upwards, I was very aware of how big I was, how much size I took up, how much room I needed to – you know, it, I I became that person that if I had to walk through a restaurant, I would literally walk around every table rather than walk past people because I just knew there was no possible way that I could walk amongst tables. Yeah, um, yeah. and so I became very aware then. But um, it is it is funny. I actually found for me it's harder. It's It was harder once I started losing the weight because me, me getting to about going from 520 ish down to about 400 I got to 400 pounds and I felt like I could fly I was just like oh my god I'm so fit this is incredible everything's easy I've got all this energy and then you see a photo of yourself and you go oh oh crap I'm still a really big girl (laughs) and um and so I I guess for me that was really difficult and and also the the concepts, because particularly like in, in the weight loss surgery world, a lot of people that start do, do tend to start, their starting weight is around 260 to 280. And when you're twice that, when you're starting, it's really difficult to explain to people that your process, like their process between, you know, start and goal is a year. And my yeah. process is always going to be at least three years. And um you know, given that I haven't been as vigilant for the last year, we, we're going to go
0: for, it's going to be four, four and a half years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, well, and how, so how, how tall are you?
1: I'm five, six.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, so five, we're, five, I mean, I'm, I'm five, five. So we're about, we're about the same height. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So my BMI when I started was 82. Um, which I, I actually had someone say, I didn't know BMIs went that high.
0: I honestly, that's a thought that just went through my head. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um,
1: so my BMI was 82. I think my BMI is about 40 at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe. Oh, no, t- to be honest, I think it was about 40 when I was slightly lighter. So I'd be probably about 42 now. So still nowhere near what's classified as a healthy BMI, but half the BMI that I was, so.
0: Well, I and we that. can do a podcast on the bullshitness of BMI, so, like, oh have, ever, gosh, have, yes. you ever, have you ever asked Daryl's opinion on BMI? <laughs> I did that once in DM, and I think I got, like, seven voice messages of him just being like, it is stupid, do not look at that chart, it doesn't take into account your, m-. like, it was, it was hilarious. I should have saved all those recordings and just <laughs> made that into, like, a podcast.
1: I love Rent Pants Daryl, he is one of my favorite Daryls.
0: hey daryl can we get that on a t-shirt like (laughs) rampant daryl on the front and podcast pusher on the back
1: (laughs) and very small print owner of five cellular phones
0: (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know how that i don't even i would i couldn't do that i don't even like (laughs) the one that i have now to, to be honest,
1: I think he only has two or maybe three, but every time Willie told the story, it just seemed to get bigger. And so, <laughs> so somebody would be like, "Oh," Dar-, and, and Daryl would be like, oh, I'm on my other phone. And I'm like, oh, so that's what, number four? And then somebody right. else would be like, number five. And so, so the poor guy is going to have 11 phones before he knows it.
0: Right. I mean, by Flying Pig next year,
1: he knows how many phones he's going
0: to bring with him to Flying Pig.
1: I know. We're gonna to have to get him a bag. Maybe who he can paid? expand from just who? t-shirts and have like who? backpacks
0: <laughs> as well. I want to know who pays all those cell phone bills, like for eleven phones. I mean, gotta take out a second on your mortgage just to pay for the cellular data plans. Well, just Thank think of the amount of money that he's saving because
1: he's not buying Starbucks from Starbucks. He's actually making it at home. So
0: when well, he and that's fine. We know he's a
1: cup of coffee. <laughs>
0: And we know he's not a Weight Watchers Lifetime member, so, you know. <laughs> oh. oh, my gosh. That was probably my favorite. When he talked about Kerbo earlier in the week, yeah. which, by the way, I'm going to go on record to say that I was the one who even told him that that was a thing. <laughs> I got zero credit in any of those videos or messages or anything. <laughs> that was me. I told him about it. He did his own research, but I was the one who brought up to him. But that was probably one of my favorite videos he's put out because he's so right. Like Weight Watchers is trying to target a demographic that needs that needs their help that eventually will want these kids to become lifelong Weight Watcher members. And it's going to create this culture where these people are constantly worried about the number on that scale. And that is not, I mean, yes, this journey is weight loss for me. I do have a sweet spot number in my head but this is also about getting healthier as a whole.
1: So um, is it at this point that I tell you that I've been a life member of Weight Watchers since I was 11 years old?
0: I mean, do you still self-
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, I haven't, I haven't gone to a Weight Watchers meeting since I was about 13. And I feel like you know, I, I honestly felt at some point when I got to 500 pounds that it would have been a really great photo if I'd taken a photo with my lifetime membership card. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a life member of Weight Watchers. <laughs> Don't be me. <mean. laughs>
0: yeah. well, and t- did you did you listen to the um, <laughs> the epicness of Dumpster Fire the other night?
1: I have not had a chance to. That's on my agenda to do tomorrow. But I do know that that I got a message from Daryl earlier today going, please tell me that you and me and Willie can do dumpster fire together some point.
0: Oh. I at this point between the two of them. <laughs> oh, well, basically like they had brought up Kerbo and they brought up Weight Watchers. And I don't know if it was Crystal that said it or Daryl, but they were like, the thing with being a Weight Watcher's lifetime member is that you know <laughs> to achieve lifetime status and stay with that you have to stay within a certain pounds of your goal weight but again that just makes people fixate on the number on the scale and that's just to me I feel like that's just a really unhealthy relationship with the scale like in the beginning of my of my restart two and a half years ago I didn't step on the scale for 30 days at a time yeah that's that's what I always did I weighed once a month and now um, I weigh once a week, but I mean, it's, and I weigh on, on Fridays and Friday night is usually my, like, you know, if I want to go out to dinner, I'll go out to dinner. Like I went out last night, my sister and brother-in-law were in town and I got a steak and potatoes and I had a drink and in a salad and it was delicious. And I'm like, okay, I wouldn't want to get on a scale today because I know I'm going to be up from what I was at yesterday. But next yeah. Friday, I'll have had the whole week to kind of work that off, I <laughs> <type laughs> thing.
1: But that, that's, a, that's a good way of thinking. With, with me, I in the beginning, I could only get on the scales at the doctor's surgery because I was too heavy for at-home scales.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it made it really simple that I just had a monthly checkup and I would weigh at that monthly checkup. It meant that I was using the same scale, but also because I'd had a friend that had bariatric surgery and she actually wasn't a very high starter in terms of start weight, but she did tell me, no matter what you do in the first six months, the weight is going to come off. So yeah. don't focus because on the weight coming off. Focus eating, on Essentially you're eating less because you've, you know, you don't have the room for the same amount it's, of food you're exactly, eating. Exactly. Exactly. And so she said, instead of focusing on the amount of weight that's coming off, focus on putting nutrients in your body. And, mm-hmm the weight will come off no matter what. And it it was just this really surreal feeling for the first time in my life, knowing that every time I stood on the scale, the number was going to be smaller than it was the time before. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, and and then about a year ago, that feeling of assuredness when I was anywhere near a scale had gone away and I was like, I started to get to that point where I was remembering what it was like to be that person going, oh, I don't want to step on the scale just in case. Um, yeah, so I've got to work on that because as much as I'm like, it's not about a number, it's not about a number. My head still fears that number.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, weight gain after weight loss surgery, after a certain point is not uncommon.
1: No, no, they, they, they they tell you to expect about a 10% regain. So for most people, that's about 10 pounds Mm -hmm. for me, it was about 25 but then the amount of uh, which would have been yeah yeah which would have been 10% pretty much of what I've lost
0: Um, and yeah I mean that that makes that makes sense so I had asked you earlier this this week if we could do a very blunt and honest podcast for women out there who you know have body image issues being either at a high weight or at a lower weight with, with loose skin? Now, is loose skin something that you, after losing 265 pounds, is that something that you have and deal with oh. every day? Oh,
1: yes. Oh, yes. I give myself a round of applause quite frequently without even meaning to. <laughs> I feel that way with my thighs when I run. <laughs> I run. I was in the office, not last Christmas, the Christmas before I was putting up Christmas decorations. And and of course, you know, I'm in the other hemisphere. So it's really, really hot at Christmas time. And I was wearing a sleeveless dress and I was putting up Christmas decorations and and I could hear my arms clapping. And one of my colleagues is like, what is that noise? And I've just looked at him and I've gone, that's my arms, honey. And he went, (laughs) oh, I'm so sorry. But yeah yeah so so my body will quite often give give me a round of applause let alone when <laughs> I'm having sex and then it's quite a really loud round of applause at different times
0: now what is your relationship status are you married are you dating what's your um I, it's complicated <laughs> <laughs> I got um, I got one of those I have yeah. one of those I fully understand <laughs> um i
1: yeah
0: okay yeah
1: complicated is is a good word
0: (laughs) girl we'll get in dms we'll we'll get we'll get we'll get in dms later i'll tell you all about my complicated situation (laughs) so you'll you'll fully understand mine as well um in terms of in terms of sex Do you think that you had more confidence in your body before or after surgery? Before. Because Because of the loose skin
1: or? Um, I think that's part of it. I think also because. Do you know what's funny? I think that physicality and and people viewing you as attractive becomes a more prevalent thing, the smaller you get. And Mm -hmm. so. With me in the before, there was no denying my my size, so basically any man that was in my bed was there because okay. he knew what he was he was getting, yeah, and because I had a shape that there was no hiding, there was no hiding my size, there was no nothing and and so they, they knew what they were in for, and because my skin was firm, my yeah, I just i guess. I was like, no one's being forced to be here. Let's just get on with it and have a good time. Yeah. Um, Whereas the more weight I lost, you know, quite, quite, had somebody tell me once when they met me that they would never have known that I'd had bariatric surgery. They would have just assumed I was just a regular big girl, which I know Mm -hmm. to a lot of people they would take that as an insult. But to me, who had been twice the size of a regular big girl, I was like, oh, I'm kind of cool with that. And, and so in clothing, you can hide a lot of things. But my, uh, my arms in particular, my legs in particular, my stomach still has quite a lot of – I mean, I do have loose skin on my stomach, but I still have quite a lot of fat in my stomach too. So my stomach's not so bad, but my arms, my thighs, and the area that nobody ever wants to talk about – uh, my mons pubis area, <laughs> um, right? So so my mons is loose skin. There's so much loose skin. And so all of a sudden I was worrying about body parts that I never had to worry about sagging before, right? Most yeah. women worry about their boobs being saggy. I, I'm, I'm still kind of lucky there. I'm not worrying about that. that they're still good. <laughs> but, the girls have survived right They like the girl the, yeah everyone's like oh you lose weight and they'll go away and I'm like nope um <laughs> but
0: same um, here I mean uh, I've so I've gone I've gone down like a, a full cup size and two band sizes but I mean nope still there that's
1: actually that's exactly the same for me a full cup size and two band sizes yeah um and yeah but like my mons was an area that I never, ever, ever, you don't think that you've got fat in that part of your body. Does that make sense? And so when and you, so lose you lose weight. And realize, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then oh, you yeah. just sort of like, and, and I think, okay, so I think I'm at a good place with it now. But I think particularly the first 12 months was really difficult for me because I, I didn't know how to handle that, that having to move things out of the way. When you're a lot bigger and everything's kind of firm, things either fit or they don't. <laughs> you know, it's either this is working or this isn't. Um, I, I will be honest, 500-plus-pound Rachel was never a get-on-top kind of girl, not if she could oh. help it. <laughs>
0: I, so even 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 at you know 250 like mm-hmm. so my ex-husband mm-hmm. <laughs> who is actually currently sleeping in my apartment and now i'm sitting in my car to record this because i didn't want to wake him up um <laughs> he, he was right so he was complicated hyper- <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh it's even more complicated than that but um he never once was like like it last night i was actually showing him one of my transformation photos that I've recently made, I said, why did you never tell me that I gained the weight back? Like, you never told me that I got fat again after I had lost it twice. Like, you failed. (laughs) And he was like, first of all, you would have slapped the shit out of me if I ever used the F word to you, which is true. Yes. Second of all, all, he was like, I didn't really notice. I saw you every single day. (coughs) And and I, to a point, I understand that, but he was never the, you know, he never didn't want to have sex with me because of my size. We, throughout the eight years we were together, sex was a part of our relationship. And it's not the only part, but sex is important in in a relationship, especially in a marriage. Oh, yeah. And I'm with you on that. But I, I never, I mean, probably more times than not, I wasn't on top. Sorry, Dad, if you're listening my bad but I just and sure, it for me sure it was like
1: giving people a heads up that this is about sex so if dad's still listening yeah <laughs> Dad the cringe that went with that comment
0: <laughs> yeah definitely nice to see y'all um but I never I didn't want to like be you know that angle of like being on top and looking down yep yeah. I didn't want to see all that see I was okay with
1: that part of it it was more the um, okay, so so when I was 500 pounds, it was the cardio of it was just really exhausting. Right. Um, but when I, you know, when I was sort of smaller, I think probably about 400 pounds. And because everything had gotten saggy, you've got to move things out of the way. And I already had this anxiety about getting on top because how do I angle my body so that someone can be inside me at that? When you've got yeah. extra body, pe- you have to think about this stuff, and um, and so I would or I, I would get really, I would get really, really anxious. I would really, really sweat, and then your uh, your your body's willingness to do things goes away, right? Women out right. there know what I mean when I'm saying that. And exactly. So- so then that then adds adds to your anxiety and you're like <laughs> um so I was I was really I, I found that really difficult. That first year was really difficult. After that I got really good at the hang on a second, let me just move that out of the way for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> you know, it's sort of like um do you remember um do you remember the the clip, the safety clip or whatever on the um, Microsoft? I can see you're trying to, you know, I can see that you're trying to locate the clitoris. Let me just move the buns <laughs> out of your way.
0: Right? Oh my God. I know exactly what you're talking about. Also, we'll see. And even, but even, even for me, like, you know, of course, when you lay down, right, your stomach looks flatter. Yeah. But the rest of y'all kind of like the, the love handles and the back fat and the ass fat and the th- like—it all just kind of lay. You look wider than you are. Yes.
1: Yeah. Even yeah, even being like, on the
0: bottom, I was self-conscious.
1: It's like melted ice cream on the con, like on the pavement. Just it just melts yeah. outwards.
0: Melted exactly. <laughs> well, not, and I. Yeah. And I've so I've listened to. Do you listen to Gourmet's podcast?
1: Do you know what I don't? And Daryl always gets cranky at me that I don't. He's just like, he's amazing. And I'm like, Daryl, you've already
0: given me like 10 people's No, so I'll send you, I'll, I'll send you the link to one episode that he did with Alex. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Alex, but he's poro ninety two on on Instagram. And they so they were talking about massive weight loss. I think Alex started at 485. He weighed in today at 213, so he's lost a lot of weight. Gourmet, I think, went from 540. He's in, like, the two-teen range somewhere now, too. Yep. Um, but they were talking about how sex is different for them, and that's kind of actually where I got this idea of doing this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, of course, the question is, well, did your dick get bigger after weight loss? And, and the guys are like, well, no, there's just less fat surrounding the base of it now. So yes. it just appears to be bigger. It's always been there. It was just hiding before. <laughs> 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 and I'm just... I- <laughs> it's hilarious but well I, I don't have a penis I don't have a penis I lack a penis so I don't know that like that's a thing but it makes total sense <laughs> because even as a woman our vaginas change with weight loss oh yeah, yeah.
1: Sweet game. <laughs> oh my gosh they do they do I actually uh, um a guy in the in the weight loss community who's now married to the girl that he was having this conversation with me about um he really liked this girl. She lived on the other side of the country. He was driving across to meet her. And he, he said to me, I feel like I, I, I need to talk to somebody about this. My excess skin is really, really bad. And I've not had sex with anybody since I've lost weight. He, I think he had been married and, and they divorced just as he was having his surgery he's like, my excess skin's really, really bad, and I just don't know, like, what do I do? What what do I do if I'm having trouble when we're having sex because my skin's in the way? And I said, well, honey, she's been talking to you for a while, yeah? She knows how much weight you've lost. She knows you haven't had plastic surgery. I said, realistically, she probably doesn't know what you look like without your clothes, but she's got a basic idea in her head. I said, so you just move it out of the way and you keep going. And he's like, is that what you do? And I'm like, yeah. And occasionally you either embrace or you ignore the slapping sound.
0: <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Slapping sounds happen regardless of whether or not you're overweight or not or have loose skin or not. It's just <laughs> the sound will be a little bit different. Like, so for yeah. me, I mean, I, I'm down a total of seventy. One pound. I don't know. I can't math again. 70 some odd pounds. 71 pounds. I've been very lucky. I I mean I have loose skin on my arms, you know, the extra wave when you're waving to people. I have got that oh, yeah. a little bit on my low tummy, but like you, I still have a lot my trunk is my biggest area of my body. So like my uh my hips, my stomach area, those those places. Um, but I, it's still really filled out with fat. So I know that once I lose the fat, I'm probably gonna have loose skin. And you know, one of my friends has lost a little bit more than I have she lost it faster so she has more um loose skin more than loose I skin. do yeah. and she goes you know I don't she goes I don't know if I want to get this removed and I said you don't have to I mean a mm-hmm. lot of people do not to they wear it like Alex for for example and Gourmet they wear their loose skin as a badge of honor they're yeah. like you know my body's been through hell and I mean they have muscle obviously underneath their loose skin but other people like you know John uh, John obese to beast on Instagram. He has a lot of loose skin too. And he goes and takes his shirt off at the pool now. And he's like, I would never have done this a couple hundred pounds ago. Yeah. But now he's like, and I don't care if people stare. I don't care if people, you know, want it, but I feel like people don't talk about weight loss and sex because it's one of those topics where like, Oh, we don't talk about that. Valerie. Well, no, we do. It's a part of our lives. It's a, you know, (laughs) And, and that's, and that's yeah. a thing. Like I, I was never made to feel a, like there have been people I have been with sexually that have made me feel ashamed of my body. Cause they've like said comments or maybe they didn't talk to me. At, you know what I mean? Like you hook up when you're young and then they, you don't hear from them again. And so you start to wonder like, Oh, like what did they not enjoy themselves? Was it because I'm overweight? Like all the things that go through a woman's mind. Right. Yeah. Um, I had one guy literally be like, yeah, I've never really been with a girl as big as you and I didn't enjoy it.
1: Oh, I just want to squish him for you. I mean, I've still got plenty of weight on me. Give me his address and I'll go and get that sorted. <laughs> well, first
0: of all, most men are just like, hey, I got laid. I'm cool. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> but for, and, and people do have their preferences. Some guys are like, I, you know, I prefer a bigger woman. I don't, whatever. And and men have their preferences in, like you were saying, like men who, you know, had sex with you when you were over 50 <laughs> pounds, like they obviously were attracted to that body type. They that They knew what they were getting. Yeah. I had been talking to this guy for a little while and I'm like, you've seen pictures of me. You've met me in person before this. Like you had to know what there was underneath all those clothes. Like, <laughs> mm. sorry, like... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I just... in, in terms of, in terms of my ex-husband and in, just in terms of people, even in my recent in last yeah. <laughs> I, and is good. I like that. Um, you know, I've, I still struggle with confidence. I still struggle with clothes. I, you know, don't really own a lot of lingerie just because I don't feel like it fits my body type well. And, but I feel like that's, that's a me problem. That's that a is, me being in my own head problem. It's not a. That's not how somebody else sees me. No, no, it is a, because look.
1: For, for starters, we we, we got to sort the lingerie issue out. Um, I love I I love lingerie. I wear lingerie even with when no one's gonna see it. Um, I'm I'm not gonna tell you that I wear like sexy sexy underwear to work every day because no, it's freaking uncomfortable. But <laughs> if I'm yeah. going out with my girls on a night, yeah, I'm start I'm starting at the base because yep. there's some you know, lingerie changes the way we hold ourselves. It changes the way we walk into a room, and I I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine, um when because so so the more weight I lost the more I started dressing retro and rockabilly um I'd always wanted to dress that way but I was physically too big to be able to and I remember Mm. walking into walking into a meeting and every male colleague just sort of looked at me as I walked in and I've said to my friend Matt I'm like (laughs) geez a lot of June Cleaver fantasies here huh 50s housewives and he's (laughs) and and he's like you know what, you think it's that? It's not. He goes, you used to walk into a room and you would want to be invisible and now you walk into a room and you own the shit out of it. He said, and no man, no man doesn't want to go to bed with that. And yeah. I'm like, okay. And and I think maybe that was part of the, you know, 520 and, and owning my body because I I married somebody who had never been with a big girl before me. Um, who is quite vocal about the fact that he would never date uh, a regular-sized person again, um, <laughs> basically. You, you he converted he, that one. Know, right. Um, but I, I had dated guys that didn't have any particular body preference and then I'd had my heart really brutally broken in my sort of early, uh, early 20s and, and for six months I had this relationship with a guy who loved you, you, they use the term BBW. I don't care. I'll wear that. Yeah. Whatever. He, yeah. he loved. He loves big women, and he. Uh, it's the only time that I've actually had someone say to me openly, even though I know it's true, that I was the biggest woman that he'd ever been with. Mm-hmm. But he. He was so. He followed it up so quickly with, "You are the biggest woman I've ever been with," but you are the most beautiful woman I've ever been with, and our sex life is the most fulfilling I've ever had because you're just enthusiastic and you want to you like you're there to have a good time and I'm there to have a good time um and to be completely honest it was a relationship that was completely built on sex um it is the one where I learned how to be comfortable to be on top and it is Mm -hmm. the one that I I learned to be comfortable to ask for things that I needed sexually it's the one where I could get out of the shower and have somebody look at me like I was a goddess it was the yeah. first time you know, when you're that young and you don't know that you. I mean, I say that young. I was I was twenty four, but I didn't I didn't know that I had sexuality, and um and I've got friends that would totally scoff at that because I, <laughs> I had a friend tell me that I actually ooze sexuality. She's mm-hmm. like, "There's just something really inherently sexual about you," and I'm like, oh, "Okay." This was like six months ago. But twenty-four year old Rach was like, So, um, I shaved my legs (laughs) and maybe he might want to fill me up and um I
0: don't know what to do after that. Right. And I think I think when you find a man who truly like worships your body for what it is right now, that helps with confidence. That helps with feeling sexy. Like I have met someone who, um, makes me feel that way. And he's seen pictures of me at my heaviest. And obviously he's seen me now and he's like, you've done an amazing job. Every, every morning when I'm doing my beach body workout, he'll text me and I'll be like, yeah, it's time to work out. He's like, kick ass. You're going to do great. Like push yourself harder today. When I would go to my workout class at the gym with my trainer, which unfortunately just had to end due to finances, you know, every Tuesday, Thursday before 6 p.m., he'd be like, have a great workout. And like, to me, like that means a lot. Like to have someone supporting you, like my ex-husband always supported me. I would go to work and I would have these super long commutes when we lived in California, which near San Francisco, there's so much traffic. um, And I would take an hour for myself every day or every other day and go to the gym and he'd be at home cooking dinner. And like, he was never, he never complained about me not being home because I was at the gym. So that was his way of being supportive with this new person in my life. He's supportive in different ways, but he also makes me feel sexy. He makes me feel confident because I get those compliments. Yeah. He is just like, I mean, I've never ever in my life been comfortable standing 100% naked in front of a man until him. And I'm 33 years old. I've been having sex since I was 14. Oh, like, wow. Almost 20 years. I've never, even in front of my ex-husband, I would like, you know, strategically cover myself or wear just like maybe just a tank top or something. Like I was always hiding my body and it's not because of anything that he did. It's just because of how I felt.
1: It's you. Yeah, it was you. So I'm actually the opposite. I've always been very, i I just I'm a, I'm a naked person, like, <laughs> not, not like in public where I can get arrested. <laughs> but at uh,
0: home, and yeah, yeah.
1: To to the point where I was podcasting with Daryl one week and ankle wasn't working, and he went, "Okay, let's just Instagram live." And I'm like, "You have to give me ten minutes because I have to get
0: dressed." <laughs> he's like, "He's like, what?" <laughs> Like, uh, oh, little, you? little cheapish, Daryl, right?
1: Sweet, sweet, Daryl, um, and um, yeah, and so I, I said, yeah, you have to give me some time to get dressed. I, since that that guy that I dated when I was twenty-four, I, I've always been really comfortable being naked. Uh, maybe not right away if it's an ongoing thing, um, but yeah, I just. I think part of it is, oh well, you know, you, you're still here, so you still want to have sex with me, so just deal with yeah. it. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm that person that I will sleep naked. I, um, I won't like, I won't. But what's funny is, I won't
0: sit on my furniture naked. <laughs> I'm
1: like, can't do it. It's not hygienic. Um,
0: <laughs> Especially but, if you have like leather furniture, I feel like that's.
1: It's not. I have leather lounges
0: and I'm well, just like, hygienic. First of all, you're gonna every like you're gonna stick to the leather. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna sweat it. Oh right. Like I don't even when I had leather seats in my old car, I didn't even like wearing shorts. Oh. Because like no. I would stick to and, and then ugh, you gotta pull your leg off the back of the seat in summer. Well like so last night it was eighty five degrees. I don't, I think I don't, you guys aren't Fahrenheit I'm, in Australia. No, right?
1: It's okay. I've talked to Daryl for long enough to be able to convert things. In you can do
0: the conversion. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was 85 degrees at nine o'clock at night. So it was really hot. So I was wearing a shorts and tank top and I went to dinner with my sister and my brother-in-law and we went, you know, sat at a booth. And when I went to get up, I was like, oh my gosh, hold on. I got to peel my thighs off the, <laughs> off the, uh, off the bench. But that's the thing too. Like I've never been confident in shorts I was an athlete growing up. I played soccer and softball. I was in shorts all the time. And then as the weight packed on, like I was the girl wearing jeans and a t-shirt in the summertime.
1: And do you know what's? Do you know what? I was that person that would wear jeans and a t-shirt in summer when I was, say, 19 or 20. I got to about 24 and I just, I, I honestly, I need to give this guy a message to give him the credit he owes. Um, <laughs> He just made me feel beautiful. And what I realised after him was that I didn't actually need someone else to make me feel that way, that I could own it and that I could be confident and I could, you know, that, that, that there would be men that loved me for the way that I looked just as much as there would be men that, that didn't. And, and, with the, with, and none of that would really matter because it would come down to me. Um, as long as I was okay with things and you know that's not to say that I've always got body confidence because like two days ago we literally got a message that go- that said I feel frumpy and disgusting <laughs> like, and then you know PMS kicks in and you realize you wake up and you go that's why I felt frumpy and disgusting okay I'm well, good right right
0: well and, and, um... and the thing the thing with me is that like when you have someone in your life who is like every picture you send, you get compliments on or and you just you start to see yourself in their eyes as opposed yeah. to seeing yourself the way that you've always seen yourself. And so yeah. I feel like I feel like people have a way of like unlocking what's already there. We just didn't know how to attain that ourselves. And I feel, it seems like that's what that guy did for you at 24. Yeah, I
1: look and and you can tell the difference between when someone is saying something because they genuinely mean it and someone is saying something because they're being kind and I think any big girl understands exactly what I'm about to say yep big girls have pretty faces and skinny girls are pretty skinny girls I
0: I love the I love the you have a pretty face for a big girl
1: Oh, I just thought, oh, you've got such a pretty face. I once joked to a friend that I was going to start a plus-size clothing label called Such a Pretty Face. You should.
0: <laughs> I mean, I currently do not have any money to invest, but I will <laughs> tag you and everything on Instagram. I, I will push this for I will be the clothing line pusher. Done. We'll, because
1: we'll, we'll get Daryl on the task too with all of his phones.
0: <laughs> you'll have to
1: add a 12th one for the clothing line right that's it that's just an exclusive for that but yeah I, I think that um I think it just takes that one person to genuinely give you compliments and and so that was what this guy was for me and he's still a nice guy I still talk to him not very often realistically there was nothing there to build a relationship on it was not a relationship but it was the perfect relationship for that time He was not long divorced. I was only young. We gave each other exactly what was needed for that six months. And then it was, it's been real. It's been good. It's been real good. See you later. Yeah. Um, And so.
0: When I, so I don't know if you've like, how can I ask how old you are, Rachel? I'm 36. So take, take, let's take weight out of the equation. Mm. Sex in your thirties is much better than sex in your twenties. Yes or no? Oh my
1: god, a hundred percent,
0: a hundred percent. I don't and- just because like I'm more in tune with my body and I know what I want and I know how to please myself, and so I can teach that or what it is, or if it's just the fact that you know I was with one person for eight years and now I'm not. Like, but sex is much more enjoyable at thirty-three than it ever was at twenty-three. So I I, I refer to it as
1: birthday party syndrome, right? When you're in your 20s, you invite everybody to your birthday party because you're so you're so scared of offending anybody, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're in your 20s, you don't think to explore your own body really to work out what it is that you like so that you can tell somebody else what you like. And you definitely don't usually encourage somebody to do what you like because you're worried that you're going to offend them, that they're not actually pleasing you with what they do. Whereas when you're in your 30s, you only invite people you actually like to your birthday party, right? <laughs> right?
0: So Welcome
1: true. to my birthday party. I quite like what you're doing. I can see what you're trying to do there. But what I really need is a little bit more pressure on the clip and a little less movement <laughs> with everything else,
0: right? Or how about you <laughs> stop trying to talk so much and focus on what you're doing? <laughs> like... Or so what you're doing right that's not a, that's not enough, or that's too much. Like, let's
1: okay. let's find this happy
0: medium here. Wait, wait, we're just going to try to repetitively do
1: one thing for a while. You see how when oh. you do that one thing repetitively, my body really reacts, and I really like that. Why are you mixing it up? <laughs> Leave it. Stay,
0: stay on track. Stay on task. What are you stay doing? Stick with not work. First of all, first of all, listen to me. I'm going to tell you what works and what does not work. <laughs> yes. My body will tell you. I will tell you. My moans will tell you. That's it. Pay attention. That's it. Okay. Wait. Is, well, since since we're doing this and we're just being completely
1: honest, do do you fake orgasms? Obviously not with your
0: current, but previously. With my current, I don't have to, but yes. previously, absolutely. Honey, why would you do that? <laughs> Sometimes you just want it to be over, but. <laughs> I mean, especially at 285 pounds, damn, a girl is tired. Like, she don't got <laughs> all this energy. Like, right. Uh-huh. right. So, so but I think any... Tim, like, so, okay. So, <laughs> we're going to be, I think my vagina's broken. It does, like, for myself, for like self-stimulation, Yeah. every time I know what to do, right? Pressure, uh, the whole, I know my vagina real well. Yeah. But, other people, like, I don't know if I just can't get there mentally. If it's like a mental block or if it's just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think my vagina is broken. I should probably see a sex therapist about this actually. But you know what? Think about what works for you. And then you convey that
1: to the other person and whether that's, you know, because I like I, I know a lot of women that really, really enjoy having someone go down on them, but they can't actually come from having someone go down on them.
0: I'm one of those people,
1: right? And and that's okay. It just means you need a different type of pressure, yeah, um, or a different type of stimulation down there that is really like it's really enjoyable and it feels really really good. But if you want to get me to come, this is what we got to do. I and I think I think any woman that's ever been married gets that. Um, you know, sometimes you just want sex to be over. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. So. But I I have to be honest, I'm not somebody that's ever, ever faked an orgasm um, with someone that I'm in a relationship with.
0: Would you just, well, would you just straight up tell them that you didn't have an orgasm? Yes.
1: Yes. So this this is how I usually put it. I like to go to the fairground, but sometimes I don't want to ride the roller coaster. Sometimes I'm okay to not ride the roller coaster. Sometimes it's just fun to go to the fair right? Yeah. And and that's okay yeah. because sometimes it's great to spend three hours in bed and sometimes just bend me over for
0: 30 seconds and get it done. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, sometimes I feel like depending upon the situation, I mean, men need that release. Women need that release, right? Like yes. let's be real. Sex is about getting that release of endorphins and just pent up stress or aggression or sexual tension, whatever it is. There are some times where I'm like, let's be slow and passionate. Like let on that level. And there are other times where I'm like, four plays overrated. My let's body's go. your oyster, <laughs> Like, do do what you gotta do. And then there are some times where I'm like, you need to lay down. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Like, <laughs> but the thing is, is so weird. <laughs> Sorry, Matt, with my ex husband, he was not very experienced when we got together. So that I feel like that's good and bad. Like You get to kind of teach, but you also feel like you have to teach so much. Yeah. So Um, sometimes
1: you don't want apples for teacher. Like sometimes you just like,
0: no, just take the lead and And run at the same time. like I mean, but at the same time, like we had a healthy sex life, but he wouldn't really talk about it. And whereas I'm like, this is me in everyday life. Like I actually was (laughs) telling, I think I was telling Willie the other day, I'm like, can you imagine all of us actually like, cause the group now is much bigger than it was for Flying Pig last year. Oh yeah. And I know there's people that couldn't go last year that plan to go next year, and I wasn't I wasn't a part of the cool kids back in May, so I didn't get to go. But I'm part of the cool kids now. Well, I'm trying to be, but <laughs> um, oh, no, you're, you're t- i uh, you trying to
1: see. We're basically like, having margaritas and talking orgasms. You're fine. We're not actually having the margaritas, but we'll get there one day.
0: <laughs> right. I mean it's it's eight it's eight fifteen in the morning. I feel like I can't. I mean I could have a margarita, but I have to go to Zumba in forty five minutes, so that's probably not my yes, best best idea. It. that's
1: gonna just come straight back up
0: (laughs) I just I feel like not everybody is comfortable and I'm like can you imagine like all of us at a dinner table (laughs) like bringing up like the different podcasts we've talked on or different scenarios or the fact that like some of us are just super open about things and some of us just aren't Crystal's gonna be crying at everything everyone says she's such a tender heart she really is isn't she I I love that she feels so deeply for other people. I really do. Cause I'm that way too. I just, I can't always show it as much as other people can. Yeah, I am a lot lot of what other people go through. And then like mine will come out in like a, a bout of depression about my own life or something else or whatever, like, or something on the news makes me sad. And then I'll just start thinking about everything else. And then it just, I have one of those like cathartic cries Whereas super sweet Crystal, she can cry at the drop of a hat, and I just love it that she's so in tune with her emotions like that. Yeah, I am. Um, I <laughs>
1: she's such a sweetheart. She sends me a message nearly every week about something I've said with Daryl in our chat, and she's just like, it just made me cry. And I'm thinking, it didn't make me cry. Why didn't it make me? It's my life. Why? <laughs> but
0: well, I think yeah. too that. I mean, you're very open and honest and you're very relatable with your story and you don't hold back. And, and I think that it's, I think we need more of that in this community. We need more people who, like I was saying on my podcast the other day, I'm like, not everything is sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns. Like we go through hardships. We go through stuff that's meant to tear us down and, and, you know, whether it's (laughs) hooking up with someone. And then as you're getting dressed in the bathroom to like Hang out, they leave your apartment while you're still. Having- oh,
1: you, like that's just so. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know what the other version of that that I hate is? is oh, ghosting? His,
0: number, his number was blocked. His number was blocked real quick. Good girl, good girl. Like, you can't even wait for me to come out of the, like, clean up and come out the bathroom before you leave. Like, really? Like, even, even if you're like, cool. wait a it a was minute fun, time, but I'm good pretty. now. Thanks. <laughs> like, I, I just. I mean, there wasn't even like, like a, Hey, like I'll, t- you know, I'll text you when I get home and then, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there was no faking. He literally was the was most disrespectful person I've ever met. And it's funny. Like, um, being 33, I'm like, I don't know how to date. Like, I haven't done this in nine years. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. So a but- friend of mine created a Bumble account for me, which is like Tinder. And I had met him on Bumble. He drove an hour from his house to my house, took me to dinner, came back to my place and and that's that's literally how the night ended. And I'm just like, you just drove an hour to come meet me after we've been talking for a few weeks. Like, I'm so confused right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's this thing where I
1: I feel like I mean at least I got free food out of it, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, at least she got fed. <laughs> but yeah, but it's social media. I think has a lot to answer for because it has somehow created a whole generation that now no longer feels the need to be polite about things
0: right yep everyone's an asshole everyone's an asshole now i just don't they don't care what they say they don't care. so my my thing growing up is like children are to be seen and not heard yeah and you're, you're to respect your elders you're to be respectful you hold doors open for older people when they're coming in out of a door you know what yeah. i mean like there are just things that you do my dad. I grew up watching my dad hold do- doors open for my mom and my stepmom. Like so, I literally walked up to a door once, and Matt looked at me, and I'm like, "Get the door!" Like I gestured, and he's like, "What? Women want equality. They want to be able to do their own things." I was like, "I still want my husband to be chivalrous. Open the goddamn door!" <laughs> like <laughs> you should want to chivalry be chivalry is not dead, people. people. <laughs> God, but people, yeah. Social media has just made people. They say what they want to say when they want to say it they don't care who they offend they don't care they don't care. And have you
1: ever They simply noticed do, that it's you know nobody else has a justified opinion. You either agree with them or you're a hater. And I think that how that has well, leaked out into the dating world is that it now has left a generation of men who will do the screw and leave like y- your pal um or the yeah will be talking to five different girls at one time, finally hook into the one that they really like. And instead of just sending a message saying, look, I've enjoyed our conversations, but I've actually got someone else I'm interested in. They just.
0: And I want to pursue they, that. see where it goes. They just stop
1: yeah. talking and they stop responding yeah. and they stop. And I'm just like, I, you know, to me, man up. So my only experience with online dating, um, uh, the first time that I separated, a friend of mine came over and set me up a, um, an account on BBW Cupid, which is a big, girl, a big girl's dating site, right? Because that was how she I love met it. her now husband. And she said to me, if you think that your weight is the only thing that's stopping a man from saying yes, because that was my thing. No one is going to swipe right or left or whatever they're supposed to swipe for me on Tinder. OK, I basically <laughs> I circled my face and I'm like, this is all personality. We're not going to get wins on Tinder with this. And she's like, yeah, she's like, OK, well, we're going to go on BBW Cupid. And I met a few guys. I had a few dates. Um, I, I had one really great makeout session. But I was like you, I hadn't dated in so long. I didn't even know how to do that. And so it was a really, really great way for me to do it. There was too many creepy guys. I came off. I wasn't ready to to sort of look at that. And then we got back together not long after that. So I was like, okay. <laughs> and he was like, did you date, yeah, any? I'm, did you date I'm, anyone? I mean, yes, I did.
0: But <laughs> well, this is my thing, though. Like how we said, you know, like, in your 30s and versus your 20s, date like dating, like, I know what I want. If so like I want children in my future. If you don't want children, I'm not yeah, let's not waste yeah, each other's time getting to know one another. But once once you're I feel like once you're divorced and you're in your 30s and like the, you know there's all of these things like like the person I'm complicated with now, I'm like, look, this is me. This is authentically me. This is who I am. This is what I believe in. This is what I want for my life. If you can't handle me like this and you don't want what I want, and there's literally no point in doing this. Yeah. I mean, if you can't handle And that's like okay. His... Like as much as we make you for one another, like I don't want to waste anyone's time because I am 33. I do want to have kids like, yeah. really. Realistically... And I'm not saying I want to have kids tomorrow, yeah, but, but in my two, two to three year plan, got... kids are in that plan. Yeah. Your, your biological clock has about well, nine I'm... years left on it. Let's get going. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a, I'm a cancer survivor. And so my eggs are actually frozen. Oh. Um, I can't get pregnant without using medical intervention. Yeah. So, but I mean, my eggs have been frozen for coming up on 10 years now. Yeah. So the viability of those eggs to actually work, to have a biological child, the clocks on that. Yeah. Cause I mean, there are women these days. I mean, what Jennifer Aniston's like 50, she's been told reportedly pregnant 97 times in the last four years. But like, there are women who are having children later in yeah. life either due to medical intervention or just for whatever reason that it just happens that way. I mean, I don't want to be 40 years old, having my first child and be nearly 60 by the time they graduate high school.
1: So I was the, I I was the daughter. I was the child that my mother had when she was 41. Right. Okay. My mom had, I'm the youngest of 12. Right. So my so, so my, 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 my mom, wait, obviously, wait, wait, wait,
0: obviously wait, wait. the Hold lack on. of sex. You're like the from, youngest of 12.
1: Yeah. I've got four brothers and seven same,
0: sisters. Same same, mother and father for all 12 uh, children? The
1: first nine have the same mother and father. The last three of us have... Well, all 12 of us have the same mother. The last three of us have the same father. And the first nine have the same father.
0: So we talk about, like, what vaginas look like after weight loss. Oh, man. I, you you're just... You're like, My mum's nearly
1: 80. What are you doing to me?
0: No, I just... Like, think about it. Even thirty-five years ago, like, <laughs> ha- yeah, vaginas are resilient. You exactly. know what? Daryl should do a pod. Daryl should do a resilient AF podcast on vaginas. Okay, <laughs> he, can inter- he can he can interview your mom. <laughs> he can ask her all the <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh my, <laughs> <God>. my gosh! Like,
1: <laughs> actually, so. So well yes. I'm I'm exhausted for your mom. So she had me at forty one. I was the youngest. Um, and realistically looking at it, I would never have my last kid at forty one if I'd had a lot of kids. But I think and I never thought this way. Growing up, I was always like, I'm not gonna be an old mother. I'm not gonna be an old mother. And here I am at thirty six, still saying, I wanna have babies. (laughs) Like So realistically I'm going to be that mother, but I'm also not going to have started having, my mum started having babies when she was 17. She was married with a, with her first child by the time she was 17. Um, And then wow. I was, yeah, so they were all really close in age and then she had a big gap and then she had me. And so I I was, I wasn't, I wasn't a mistake. I was an accident. No, I was it's a no- surprise. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Were you an oops, baby, Rachel?
1: I was. I was the only Christmas Eve that they got to bed early, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. But yeah, and so I, I, so I, I get what you're saying too, and I think that it's funny. Um, yeah, I think that there's something in your 30s where. As a, you're no, I think in your 20s no matter how much you try to say you're a woman you, you're really not, you're still a girl um, Yeah. for a lot of your 20s you're still a girl and, and in your 30s you do become a woman and you have the ability to go um, to, to me great sex is, is about a few things it's about having an open mind, it's about being enthusiastic and it's about being able to say this really isn't working for me, can we try something else? Yeah, and in your twenties, you don't really. I don't want to. I don't want to general, generalize, but I'm going to generalize. <laughs> most most <laughs> girls in their twenties don't have that ability where they can turn around and go, actually, this isn't really working for me. Oh, you you want to do the spooning thing? I'm a big girl, and that's really not a comfortable sex position given the size of my thighs. Right. But hey, let's give it a shot. Whereas now I'm just like, how about I get on all fours and we just go at it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think too, in terms of just being more comfortable with my body, I'm more open about like what I like and what I don't like. And just, I mean, and and even though I still have like insecurities due to my directly related to my weight, I mean, not due to, but directly related. I don't, I'm also at the point now where like, depending upon who you're with, like, I just don't care. Like this is me take it or leave it. You don't like what you see. Don't come back. Well, you know what? How freaking lucky are you that you get to have sex with me? Is this, like, I'm all of this personality. We're putting and that, we're putting that on a t-shirt. <laughs> we are putting that on a t-shirt. I can have that as, like, by the door, hanging in the closet. As they walk out, be like, grab a t-shirt on, on your way out. Leave $10 on the counter. Grab a t-shirt on your way out.
1: Yeah, I mean, D- Daryl doesn't charge you if you need bigger sizes. <laughs> But, um, oh, I just think, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, I, I know, I remember the conversations that I had about sex when I was in my twenties. Um, So I was what you would call, I, I was not a young, I was not a young, virgin. like I was, I was an old first timer. I was, okay. I was in my twenties the first time I had sex. So, and that's because I was a big girl who thought that I, was not pretty, and that nobody would ever want to have sex with me, and I just want to go back and whisper in my seventeen-year-old ears, "Honey, there are a lot of boys that would be willing to have sex with you. Make sure you're on the pill; you'll be
0: good." <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, I remember having, I remember so. Like I said, I was fourteen. I remember when I decided to tell my mom that, like, I had had sex and that I thought I should go on birth control. Mm-hmm. So let me picture this for you. I'm probably 15 at the time I think I was 15 at the time we're walking into Walmart (laughs) and this is on like a Friday night or something and we're doing our like you know weekly shopping because my stepdad had just gotten paid and I said so mom you know how Mike and I broke up and she's like yeah and I go well I like this other boy and I like him a lot and she goes okay and I go and I mean, I had sex with Mike, so I figured I'd probably have sex with this new guy. I think I should go on birth control. (laughs) So, first of all, we're walking into Walmart as I'm saying this, and she just looks over me like, first of all, I'm going to kill you. Second of all, how dare you do this while we're walking into Walmart so I can't smack the shit out of you? Yeah. (laughs) I strategically planned this entire conversation. Yeah,
1: it's like when someone breaks up with you in a restaurant so you won't cause a scene.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no, I'm causing the damn scene. <laughs> I mean maybe not like Elle Woods in legally blonde yeah. but I'm causing the scene <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, Well I think, like and I, and I I had let, let me be honest, I had no business having sex at 14. I didn't know what I was doing. He was not circumcised it scared the shit out of me like. <laughs> I just, well, I just remember being like, so I've been in health class. I've seen a few of those. That doesn't look like all the other ones. Yeah, that does What's like- wrong with because
1: yours? That's so true, isn't it? Like when they show you those videos and they show you those pictures, they only show you the circumcised guys, right? Yeah. And I actually live in a country where it's not particularly common for a lot of men to be circumcised. <laughs> so yeah. I just remember looking at the first one going, what do I do with that?
0: Did they do they do they have do they have sexual education in schools in Australia?
1: Um yeah, you have like a mandatory so so you do when you're in like sixth grade, you do that whole my body's changing a seminar. <laughs> and then when you're in like eighth grade, you do the whole, you know, this is how you don't get pregnant. Basically. Yeah. Have some context. Did you ever have to Did you
0: ever have to put so Daryl and I had this conversation, I think when we did our first podcast together did you ever have to like put a condom on like either like a banana or a styrofoam penis or anything like that? No,
1: but I do love the line in the movie, never been kissed. Let's pretend that the bananas are the real thing in a land we call every man's fantasy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Gerald's like in, in the Midwest where I live, he's like, they just preach abstinence. Like they don't even, there's no sex education. And I was like, no wonder why teen pregnancy is such a high thing in that part of the world. <laughs>
1: So, well yeah right because if we just ignore it it's not a thing i went to a high school uh in an area where about 20 percent of the girls dropped out in 10th grade because they were pregnant right um teen teen, teen sex was like was a big thing in my area except for if you were Rachel and you were like the world's biggest virgin um and, and I like I literally remember on the day that I graduated from high school I ran into a girl that had left school in 10th grade to have a baby and she was walking along and she had two babies and she was pregnant again and she's like oh yeah no no this is my daughter and this is my son and this is what I'm doing and what have you been up to and I'm like I graduated (laughs)
0: having sex. <laughs> that's what i've been doing well and so actually so i went to high school in woodland california which is near sacramento yep and our high school so i graduated 2004 our high school i think one or two years later actually instituted a daycare at the high school because there were so many girls that were dropping out to have babies oh i kind so of so now they made it so Women, so the that. girls could come to school, drop their kids off at daycare, and then you know they'd be able to take breaks if they were breastfeeding or whatever, or go breastfeed, and and so it was a way for them to still stay in school and finish their education, but also be a mom. And I have I have kind of a love hate re- love hate relationship with that. So like my my woodland has California has the most teen pregnancies in all of the United States back then. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the current statistics. But back then, so, the, and Woodland in particular had the most teen pregnancies in every city in California. And I mean, California is huge. Yeah. Like, and I just remember, I'm like, I mean, I didn't go to many parties. I was a, I was a straight A student in high school, so I didn't go to many parties, but like I had heard about them. So none of this surprised me that all of these girls got pregnant. I mean, I was in ninth grade and there was a girl in my class who was pregnant in ninth grade. Yeah. Like, granted, I had just had sex for the first time in ninth grade, but, like, I couldn't imagine being a mom in ninth grade. I could you
1: (laughs) All right. I'm going to be really, really honest here. I remember being in ninth grade and one of my friends had just had oral sex with her boyfriend for the first time. Now, I was a goody two-shoes in high school. All of my friends were goody two-shoes. And so... that was a big deal. I was the first girl in my group of friends to kiss a boy. And I was a real kiss slut. Like I would kiss anybody. I loved (laughs) kissing. Making out was great. You can maybe touch my boobs. You try and go anything below the waist, get your hands off me.
0: Um, Okay. So your teacher is going to say kiss slut on the front and then world's biggest virgin on the back. Yes.
1: Yes. Right. And I remember her telling us about, how she and her boyfriend 69 and mm-hmm. I was just so absolutely appalled right I was appalled at what she was saying not because she was like having sexual stuff but just because it just sounded absolutely disgusting right <laughs> and I went home and and I said and my mom's like what's the matter and I've gone I need to tell you something, but you can't actually call this girl's mum. And my mum's like, <laughs> okay. And I told my mum everything. And, and you know, like I had sisters that had babies really young and, and you know, like my mum my had eight daughters, right? Yeah. And so nothing was shocking her about the fact that a 14 or 15-year-old girl was doing this stuff. Yeah. But she's like, okay, so when she told you all of that, what did you think? And I've gone, honestly, I thought – why would anyone put that in their mouth? (laughs) (laughs) And she said, okay, so what I'm going to tell you is that at some point in your life, you're going to realize that you you like that and you're going to want to do that. And the fact that it doesn't sound like something you want to do means you're not ready to do it. (laughs) Okay. I said, but what about the other part? And she's like, well what do you mean i have gone like where he put his mouth and she's <laughs> like okay the same thing's going to apply for that when, when right? you're ready you're going to want someone to do that and it's going to feel really great but if you
0: think it sounds disgusting it means you're not ready and, I'm well, like... and I, I think I think the thing is too in our minds at that age we're like well that's where you pee from right? So you're just like, why do I want to put my tongue near where you pee from?
1: Right. And like particularly... I mean, because you don't
0: know about the whole, like, self-cleaning oven of a vagina. You know what I mean? No. Like, you don't...
1: No, you don't. All you know <laughs> is that when you do a lot of sport and you're sweaty and you're a bit smelly and you're just like, and someone's putting their face there. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, so That was my like first conversation that anyone ever had with me regarding oral sex. And then I remember being 17 and getting really like being in a party with a friend and my friend's friend was really, really drunk and he was a really sweet guy and he had his first girlfriend and he got really drunk and he sat down next to me and he told me about how, like he was asking me questions because he really wanted to please her because she was older than him. Right. She's more experienced. She's all of these things. And, and I tried going down on her, but I just kept pulling pubic hair out of my teeth. And I'm oh. like, I'm sat there next to him just going, I've literally never had anyone see me naked. Nobody other than me has ever touched my vagina. And how do I have this conversation with somebody? And I'm just yeah. like, I'm like, you you know what mate just just tell her that you're worried about uh helping her and and like pleasing her and maybe just get her to give you a bit of a helping hand and show you how she likes it and he's like right oh oh okay that's really good advice and I'm like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah
0: because, you know, the whole time you're being totally grossed you're just
1: out you yeah. going oh my god nobody can ever go down on me ever unless I completely bear free and there's no hair down there because I don't want and to, now, to and now you're like
0: and now you're like that's a requirement you don't want to do that there's the door uh, yeah <laughs> literally literally have that I conversation need. with someone
1: so you want me to but you're not willing to hmm yeah, that's why, not going to work for me. Yeah, why not? I'm just not a fan of it. And, you know, you wouldn't want me to do it because I really wouldn't be enjoying it. And I'm like, oh,
0: yeah. No, well, I'm suddenly I'm not, not a fan of you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's been real. It's been good. It's been real good. See you later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, no. Daryl's going to blush if he listens to this.
0: Oh, if he doesn't listen to this by the end of the day today, I'm... Um... <laughs> not com- i i don't know Well, do you do you know what like i love, sounds- I love that no. i
1: know willie will listen to this and just laugh and i'll get some random funny comment
0: right right well so it's funny so i actually before i asked you about even coming on this podcast i messaged willie and i messaged daryl and i was like do you guys think that rachel would be a good person to have this conversation with and they both of course said yes <laughs> and willie goes i don't know if i can listen to this <laughs> yes you can Oh. So I've already told Willie I'm like you know entirely too much about me as it is. You might as well listen to me talk about sex. Like <laughs> there's just, there's no boundaries there anymore. No. So
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh, D- what, Dar- Him, Dar- you know Dar- what? I'm gonna... today. I'm like his favorite sister, and and like because I I refer to Daryl as my only only male friend where it's ever been a hundred percent not complicated there is no complication there at all we've always had very clear boundaries we've got this beautiful friendship it's never there's no hint of flirting there's no nothing and I yeah and I love that I love that because when he said you're like my favorite sister I went oh my god I really do love Daryl as a brother And I'm like, I like that. I'm good with that. But now my brother's gonna listen to your freaking podcast and hear me talk all (laughs) about sex and he's going to cringe and realize that he has to make a whole heap of t shirts from this conversation.
0: I feel like we need to actually have Daryl video record himself. Just so we can see his face blush. Like, I need oh, to make that a... Ad-
1: well, I, in my head, I'm already envis- envisaging him blushing at half the stuff that I've
0: said. Right. Oh, my gosh. Well, my love, I do need to get off here. I do have to go um, get my shoes and get my butt to Zumba. And then um, I'm going to enjoy some pancakes this, this, after, this late morning. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. My, be- my best friend is moving to Southern California. So she's going to be about nine hours away in like two weeks so we're trying to spend as much time together as we can before she leaves so
1: we've laughed a lot you've burnt a lot of calories so you've
0: you know (laughs) my abs are are sore and I haven't even gone to Zumba yet
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh this has been fun just remember that if if you've got loose skin it's really just giving you an extra round of applause
0: yeah just just move it out of the way and tell them to keep going
1: literally like having a standing ovation while you're having sex
0: that's that's what I've learned from this this chat is move (laughs) it out of the way tell him to keep going yeah move it out of the way keep going done (laughs) dive 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 on in (laughs) just dive on in (laughs) all right Rachel you take care and I will talk to you soon you too honey you take care Bye. Bye. bye